Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers will play three games in five days this week. We'll get you ready for the matchups with Tulsa and SMU and discuss where the team goes from here after a 1-5 start in conference play. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor, since our last show, the Shockers are 1-3. They've been swept by Tulane, a team that had not beat them since joining the American Athletic Conference um, it's really been a tale of uh, just a complete opposite of what happened last season. We had so many close games that the Shockers were able to pull out last year. They won 10 out of 13 two-possession games. They're 5-5 five and five in those such games this season. And, and really, I was surprised that they're even 5-5. Five and five. It seems like they just can't seem to make the plays late to be able to win. There was a COVID pause uh, in between that time frame as well. And you had the win against UCF at home last week. And I was encouraged. I felt they came out with some energy. They still didn't seem to play for a full 40 minutes, but you saw some nice signs. Tulane, they get down early and they battle back. They have a commanding lead. Uh, These double-digit leads that always seem to be disappearing. So just in your opinion, what's the biggest difference between last season's Shockers and this season where it's still the the same guys out there. I believe it's the same, you know, names on the jerseys and everything, but much different results. Yeah, I mean, I guess there, there's a, a couple of differences. Uh, you know, Altry Gilbert was obviously a huge uh, part of last year's team. He had the ball in his hands. He's like replaced with, you know, Craig Porter most of the time down the stretch this year. So that's a difference. You know, Trey Wade uh, was also out there. I mean, it wasn't like he was doing a lot of scoring, but um, he did have a couple of key shots, and uh, he's obviously been replaced by you know Joe Pleasant, uh, who had a you know a pretty big shot I thought down the stretch of the two lane game too, that nice little uh, little Dirk uh, fadeaway jumper. But um, yeah, I mean I think it's just uh, it starts with the offense. You know, last year it just seemed like they were able to you know come up with points, find a way to score, whether it's getting to the free throw line or, or just making shots. And uh, you know you just look at the shots that they're getting down the stretch of these close games, uh, you know, it's not great quality. And then on the very few times that they actually do get a good shot, you know, they're just not making open shots. And, you know, they got a couple, uh, another handful of them against Tulane. And, you know, if they make any one of those in the last four, four minutes of that game, you know, they probably win. And, uh, you know, that's just the, the tale of the season is that, you know, they're not, uh, you know, making shots, you know, good teams make plays to win games down the stretch. And, you know, Wichita State has just not been able to consistently, you know, make those winning plays. And then it's just been compounded because, you know, they, they are really struggling to get defensive stops late in games. You know, when, when it's crunch time, you know, their their defense is just, you know, really, really struggling to, to get a stop. You know, they, they built that 13-point lead at Tulane. And then they let Tulane score 13 of the last 17 trips down the floor. So, you know, only four defensive stops in the last 17 possessions. You know, that's just not going to get the job done. 
The Shockers have blown a double-digit lead in five games this season. They already have five home losses. And you had a good article on Kansas.com today where you talked about Coach I.B., you know, watching film after these losses, trying to figure out the right buttons to press with this team. But the confusing thing for me is they seem to make the same mistakes game after game. At the end of that Tulane game, everyone in the arena knew that Tyson was going to take the last shot. And just it doesn't seem like there's a lot being drawn up or, you know, if they are watching film, they're not really changing a whole lot from game to game because we still see these same lapses, particularly in late game situations. So just, you know, I guess where exactly do they need to go from here? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I I had that detailed kind of video breakdown on Kansas.com. Uh, on Monday, looking at Wichita State's late game offense against Tulane, and uh, you know they they were you know trying to run sets. You know they they had success uh, with them in the second half, but you know it was it was kind of weird. You know watching it back, it was like uh, you know things got sloppy, and maybe that's fatigue because you know those guys are playing heavy minutes. Whatever it is, you know they just the execution was just not there uh, late in the game. You know, they, they go to the ball screen offense, and this is the same offense that was getting wide open shots for Tyson Etienne for most of the game. But it was dependent on, you know, a hard roll after the screen. And you look at one of those possessions, and Mo sets the screen up top, just kind of, you know, barely walks off the screen. You know, it doesn't hard roll. So, you know, because he doesn't hard roll, the, the help side defender doesn't have to help, and then that lets him stay attached to Tyson. That means, you know, the, the play blows up, uh, nowhere to go, and then that's where you get these isos at the end of shot clock with Tyson, uh, you know, ball in his hands, and he's just having to, to make something uh, work. And, and the same thing, you know, they, they tried to run a set for Tyson that had worked uh, multiple times earlier in the game. And then, you know, Craig Porter doesn't set, uh, you know, a good enough screen uh, and, and it blows up. And once again, you know, same thing, late game or late in the shot clock, Tyson ball in his hands. He has to make something work. And, uh, you know, personally, you know, after watching, uh, you know, a lot of film, uh, I think they would be better off, you know, having using Tyson off the ball. You know, obviously you want most teams, you know, you, you just turn the ball over to your star player, put the ball in his hands and let them make the right reads, right decisions down the stretches of games. But what I'll say just isn't working with a lot of other shooting gravity, I guess. And, you know, when Tyson has the ball, you know, the whole defense can hone in on him because, you know, they're not really concerned about the rest of the shooters on the floor surrounding him. And they just don't really have the respect of other teams' defenses. So it's so clogged up for Tyson and it's just not, uh, producing, you know, very high quality looks. Whereas, you know, if Tyson's off the ball, then he has, you know, so much shooting gravity, even though his shooting percentages have, you know, obviously dipped this season, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is how defenses play you. And right now they're still treating Tyson, you know, like he's the player of the year, you know, averaging 20, 20 points a game. And because he has that gravity, it's opening up so much other stuff for teammates, even when he doesn't, you know, get the assist, you know, just because the defense is so worried about him, it's opening up things for other players. And man, you know, it's pretty tempting to use him more like that off the ball down the stretches of these, these games, because 
you know, like you said, you know, clearly what they're doing right now is not working. Tyson's eighth in the conference in scoring at 14.71 points per game. They had a season high 19 turnovers on Saturday and they're number 224 in the country on turnover percentage. One thing in your article today, Coach IB referenced the 18-19 season when Dexter and Mo were freshmen. The Shockers started 1-6 and six in conference play and then won 14 out of the final 18 to reach the NIT semifinals. I was, you know, I'm happy you had that in there because I was trying to find a time really in the last decade plus where I felt as low as a Shocker fan as I felt on Saturday after watching that lead, you know, that nine point lead dwindle down in the final three minutes. And so we're, we're suffering from a little bit of recency bias here in that, you know, it's probably not ever as bad as it feels at the time, but it's just the way in which they're losing. And I'll also go back to the home atmosphere at Coke arena really has seemed to dwindle. So, you know, I, I guess for us that need a little bit of a pick me up after a shocker loss, and a Chiefs loss. Give me a little light at the end of the tunnel as far as, you know, where where could things go the rest of this season to try and and, and salvage it, uh, salvage everything and, and bring us back in? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, let me let me hit you with another gut punch, uh, and then I'll bring you back up. Uh, I was looking at, like, win probabilities, you know, on Ken Palm, and which I'll say both of those two lane games, greater than a 95% win probability in both games, so I wonder what, you know, the chances of, you know, losing both of those games where you have, you know, a 95% chance of winning uh, would be. I mean, that's got to be pretty minuscule. So that's what, you know, makes these losses even more painful. And arguably, you know, it's uh, uh, it's even more painful than that 1-6 and six start in AAC play, uh, you know, four years ago, three years ago. Uh, because, you know, in that one and six start, you know, they were getting blown out. Uh, they weren't competitive in, in a lot of those games. Uh, you know, it was pretty clear that team had, you know, a lot of issues. Uh, you know, they were obviously super young. They had, a you know, a pretty far way to go. You know, this team, you know, it's you can really just sit there and look at the schedule and just say, you know, man, if they just, you know, avoid uh, a seven minute scoring drought here, you know, if one play goes differently down the stretch there. You know, that's like five games right there, you know, five losses that could easily be turned around into wins. So it's not like the Shockers are far, you know, away from uh, of being that team that they thought they were going to be before the season. But, you know, at this point, you know, when you continually lose these games, you know, it's got to be tough mentally for the players to, to you know, keep that belief. But, you know, I, I keep talking to them after games and, you know, it, it sounds like they're locked in. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, for what it's worth, you know, they're saying that their spirits are not diminished. You know, they, they feel like they, they still have talent on this team to make a run. And, uh, yeah, you know, that, that, you know, Dexter and Mo were freshmen on that team. And I'm sure that they're talking to these guys and, and telling, telling them, you know, what's possible. You know, that team started one six, won 14 of their last 18 games, made it to the NIT semifinals. And, you know, maybe that would be a disappointment for this team, considering their preseason expectations. But, you know, at this point, I think, you know, Shocker fans just want to see them get back to playing winning basketball. And I, I do think that, that that level is still there with this team. You know, uh, there's just a few things. It just seems like every game there's just, you know, just crazy stuff that happens. And, you know, you want to say it's crazy, but, you know, if it's happening this much, uh, you know, 
there, there's got to be a common theme. And, you know, at the end of the day, it does fall, you know, on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, they have to, to, you know, swallow that criticism, even though I thought that Tulane game, seeing a lot of people criticize IB, but it's like, you know, what, what do you want? You know, there's not much the coaching staff can do when, you know, the players are throwing it off refs, you know, out of bounds, stepping out of bounds, uh, you know, pulling the trigger on a three-pointer, uh, you know, when you're you're protecting a lead with 20 seconds on the shot clock. You know, these are a lot of split-second decisions made by players that, you know, the coaching staff doesn't really have a lot of control over. It, it really did feel like, you know, it was, you know, just a series of unfortunate uh, mistakes uh, that cost them down the stretch of the two-lane game. But at the end of the day, you know, it's on the coaching staff. You know, uh, they, they have to figure a way to, to get this turned around. And, you know, the defense, uh, you know, the pieces are there uh, to be a great defense. And the pieces are there. I mean, all they have to do is just be an average offense. And, uh, you, you know, you saw probably, you know, the best 20-minute stretch of the season from Wichita State when they outscored Tulane 46 to 18 when they turn a you know a third or 15 point deficit into a 13 point lead you know they just absolutely dominated Tulane for a 20 minute stretch so you know it's clearly there within this team uh they just have to figure out how to close these games avoid silly turnovers and just make an open shot every now and then surprising to me their Ken Palm rankings 82 which actually is is a little higher than I would have anticipated they're currently ninth out of 11 teams in the American one team that is right below them sorry I just want to point out too that uh you know that that kind of puts it in perspective you know a lot of people are just saying like this you know the program is is you know just completely down and out like you say I mean there's still a top 85 Ken Palm team it's not like you know these losses. They're not. They they don't have a single bad loss on the schedule. You know you could argue Tulane, but obviously Tulane is playing like a, a new team in conference. Every other loss is to a top seventy five team in the Ken Palm rankings. And also, I want to point out too, a lot of people were uh, were kind of making fun when I said early in the season that Jacksonville State and South Alabama were actually good teams. Because they, you know, I think they were both started out outside the top 150 in Kempom. You know, look at them now. You know, Jacksonville State and South Alabama, and even Tarleton State. You know, uh, all three of those teams are, are doing much better. I think South Alabama is first place in the Sun Belt. Jacksonville State is undefeated right now in the A Sun. So you know, those are two quality mid-major teams that have. Uh, they're both top 130 now in Kempom. So you know. Wichita State has played a very, very challenging schedule, but, you know, that's been true in, in years past, and they've been able to find a way to come out on top. But uh, I just wanted to point that out, that, you know, the, the, the schedule difficulty is, is has been very high this season, uh, but also, you know, obviously no excuses for Wichita State. You know, they expect to play a tough schedule and expect to win games. They do expect to win games. I've already mentioned, you know, five losses at home. I, I just, if it didn't look the way that it did, I, I, I can understand having a young team and just getting outmatched and different things like that. But when you have the high expectations and then it, it doesn't come to fruition, just makes it a little bit more difficult. But as I mentioned, Tulsa does come to town on Tuesday night. It's an 8 p.m. tip on ESPNU. It's MTXE night. I think this team could use some MTXE uh, to to get going. This is frankly a, just a must win game against Tulsa, who comes in at one and seven in conference play. 
Yeah, it's almost to the point where, yeah, you just can't, uh, you know, take a loss at home to your rival. If you wear, you know, the MTXC jerseys, you know, you can't lose at home to your rival Tulsa and those. Yeah, you're right, you know. And then also, you know, just, uh, regardless of the fact, you know, it would put them at one and six, you know, it would drop them to the bottom of the conference. Uh, so there's a lot of bad things can happen uh, on Tuesday night. But, you know, it's also a chance for WSU to win its second straight game at Coke Arena. You know, try to get that bad taste out of their mouths from this weekend uh, because, you know, they're going to have to play really, really well later in the week when we get to that, that doubleheader against SMU. Uh, you know, probably the second best team uh, in the conference. So uh, a chance for Wichita State to build some momentum. You know, Tulsa, uh, you know, I picked them la- or uh, I picked them 10th in the conference before the season. You know, I kind of saw this coming. Just not a lot of scoring help outside of Jariah Horn and Sam Griffin. Uh, so this is a team that Wichita State, you know, needs to, you know, play well against. Uh, you know, they play a little bit of that matchup zone, which they just saw against Tulane. So, you know, they should be well-versed in how to, you know, move the ball and, and score against it. So, you know, the Shockers, they need to see the ball go through the basket, you know, see an offensive explosion, and then, you know, just finally protect protect a lead, you know. Uh, that would be a nice change for this team. You know, even when they built that, that big lead against UCF, they let them come all the way back and, and make it interesting down the stretch. So, you know, a 10 plus point win for Wichita State is what the doctor needs, is what the doctor orders for a game like this. Yeah, outside of Prairie View AM, they really never have just exerted their will on another team for the entire game. It's always that back and forth. And last season, I felt like they played up to higher competition, sometimes played down to lower competition. This season, you're you're not seeing that upside there as well. Tulsa's Ken Palm ranked 150. They did beat South Florida on Saturday uh, pretty handedly, actually, by, by 31 points. They score and allow 69 points per game. They shoot it 43.7% from the field and 35% from three. They are minus 2.7 in rebounding margin. So uh, another, you know, the one thing when they beat UCF at Coke Arena last week, I felt like, they did a good job of getting the ball down low uh, to Odeze. If you listen to the broadcast on Saturday at Tulane, that was the plan again, but he got in foul trouble. But when, when they're exerting themselves, you saw Ricky Council getting all those free throws against UCF. It just they, they need to be the aggressor for once, and hopefully that starts tomorrow night. Yeah, I thought uh, you know they had some chances to get to Mo in the middle, and they, they didn't take them. I, I noticed that a few times You know, watching the game back. Uh, but also, you know, Mo uh, wasn't, you know, terrific, you know, when he did catch the ball. I think he had three or four turnovers. So that was an issue for him. He's got to be wary of that, um, you know, in a zone with so many people around him. But yeah, I mean, WSU, just their overall lack of aggressiveness going to the basket, uh, you know, obviously Tulane's zone, uh, you know, it, it makes you want to take three pointers. And, you know, too many times they settled for him. And, you know, like you said, you know, Ricky Council was so good in that 31 point game because you know he was aggressive going to the basket he had shots falling obviously but you know a big part of it was being aggressive going to the basket drawing fouls you know shooting 20 free throws and uh we just didn't see that very much against south florida yes you know wsu probably didn't get the you know they probably lost out on a couple 50 50 calls but you know overall i, I didn't see a ton of plays that that could have been called fouls 
you know, down the stretch or even the whole game. So, you know, which I say needs to be the aggressor, like you said. And, you know, Tulsa, you know, they're they're one and seven, but, you know, they, they probably feel pretty similarly to Wichita State. You know, they've had, uh, you know, four games, I think, decided by five points or less, where they've all came out on the wrong side. So, you know, they, they pushed Houston at home. You know, they pushed SMU at home. Uh, they took Memphis right down to the wire on the road, you know. Uh, so, you know, this is a good team, uh, you know, or not a good team, but, you know, this is a, a capable team. So Wichita State is going to have to play well. It's not like they can just show up. I don't think right now Wichita State is playing well to just show up and beat anybody. So they're going to have to play well and, uh, you know, make a point, uh, you know, to get some momentum back going into that big double hitter against SMU. You bring up SMU. They, uh, it's kind of interesting that the double header Thursday and Saturday, Thursdays at SMU and Saturday at Wichita State. Thursday's game tips off at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Saturday's game's at 5 p.m. on ESPN Two. It is a yellow out, although a lot of fans have been coming dressed as empty seats these days at Coke Arena. So hopefully we'll be able to get a little bit more yellow in there than black. SMU's won five straight. They don't have a game before playing Wichita State on Thursday. They're Ken Palm ranked number 60. Their only conference loss is to Cincinnati, but they do still have two games with Houston remaining. As of right now, SMU's really the AAC's only shot at getting a second team in the NCAA tournament, and if not, it'll it'll just be Houston representing the conference. Yeah, you know, SMU is, uh, you know, I, I've always liked their talent. You know, I thought Kendrick Davis, if he plays a few more games last year, you know, he was just as deserving as Tyson Etienne last year to be the AAC Player of the Year. Just an absolutely electric playmaker. Uh, you know, I think he's the best player right now in the conference. So uh, it's going to be a huge, huge challenge for Wichita State. And uh, like you said, you know, they're, they're coming in on a hot streak, you know, not only five in a row, but, you know, uh, since a kind of a slow start, uh, you know, they've won 13 of their last 14 games. So, um, you know, they are playing very, very well. This is finally, you know, it seems like they're they're finally putting it together. Uh, you know, under Tim Jankovic, you know, so many times over the last four or five years, SMU has had a lot of talent, but, you know, they just haven't been able to put it together. It just seems like they've constantly underperformed uh, down there in Dallas. Uh, but, you know, maybe this is the year. And like you said, you know, they are kind of the, the conference's hope to, to get a second team into the the uh, the Amer- or the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, a couple of the team's nets are, are in that range. You know, I think SMU right now is at 55. Um, so, you know, that was right around where, you know, Wichita State was. You know, they're probably going to want to get up into the 40s uh, to work their way into an at-large bid. And, you know, a good way of doing that, you know, sweeping Wichita State. So this is a big, big week for them. Because um, I know, obviously, uh, a lot of people are still – you know, it feels worse than it is for Wichita State, but, you know, they're 82 in the net rankings, too. So, you know, there's still, you know, a quality uh, uh, Q2 win, uh, you know, when you play them on the road. So uh, big, big week for SMU. You know, they're obviously going to be locked in. And uh, Wichita State, you know, this, this is a huge challenge. You know, we've seen them play up, uh, you know, at times. I thought, I mean, I was impressed when they went down to Houston and pushed them. Uh, but, you know, since then, they probably haven't seen a team as talented as SMU will be uh, come this week. So it's going to be a huge challenge for Wichita State. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how they, they, they handle the challenge this week. I mean, who knows what – I mean, I, I feel like this team is capable of doing just about anything. You know, they could lay an egg 
get beat by 20. Uh, you know, they could take it down to the wire. They could blow another lead. They could come from behind and win this game. I wouldn't be surprised with anything that happens between these two teams. SMU scores 76.05 points per game. They allow 66.85, shooting at 45.5% from the field and 36% from three. It is interesting with the two games and the effect of three days. Do you think there's any built-in advantage or disadvantage one way or the other when you see a team back-to-back like that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like this. I mean, a couple conferences did this last year due to COVID, uh, just play two games against the same team. Uh, within a you know a couple of days and I think it is kind of interesting to see you know what adjustments are made after the first game and it'll be kind of cool to see you know uh, both sides if you know they just decide to run it back or if they decide to make huge changes after the first game so um, yeah I mean I, I kind of like it and uh, uh, you know it is it just pre- presents like a, a different kind of um, you know you you're gonna you know you're gonna watch the game Thursday night and then you know less than you know 72 hours later you know you're gonna see the same matchup again uh in in Wichita so it should be a, it should be a fun matchup you know these two teams have produced a couple of uh you know uh pretty crazy outcomes you know the the Shake Milton game at Coke Arena was you know one of the craziest games I've seen there where he basically just single-handedly took down the Shockers when they were you know top 15 in the country uh, and then obviously the Wichita State game, I think this was actually the last time they played SMU because of all the COVID cancellations the last two years. Uh, the last time they went down to Dallas, you know, they had that crazy comeback. I think they were down by 24 points. And that was a team that was basically already shuttered. You know, they had, you know, they were so broken behind the scenes, uh, so much division. And then they went out there, Dexter Dennis catches on fire. Uh, Grant Sherfield had a really good game. They come back. Uh, incredible comeback, 24 points on the road to come back and win that game. So these two teams have produced fireworks in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get two more great ones this week. I know we're in the middle of the season here, and so this is a difficult question, but the team has lost six out of eight games. Currently, every single one of these players could come back next season if they wanted to due to the the extra COVID year. But in your article, you know, IB said, if I thought the players were the problem, I'd be out there recruiting, but I still have confidence in, in these guys. In your opinion, you know, can they come together and make a late season run here? Or, you know, even with the extra eligibility, do you think it's time to maybe shake things up a little bit? And and some people have been calling for some of the freshmen and sophomores to start getting more playing time and, and treat it more like a rebuilding year. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, let's, I mean, there's lots to unpack there. Um, let's just start with, um the recruiting that that part kind of uh you know cracks me up i've seen a lot of people criticize you know the coaching staff you know they they don't have any recruits landed already and you know a lot of teams do have you know recruits uh built in but you know with this roster you know there's so many decisions that are going to be made you know after the season that's going to determine you know what wichita state needs you know, right now they have a lot of freshmen and sophomore currently on the roster. So, you know, do you really want, you know, to bring in, would it make you feel better if they had two, two or three freshmen signed right now? You know, are those players going to be able to come in and play right away? You know, probably not. You know, honestly, you know, the, the bulk of Wichita State's recruiting class is going to be JUCOs. It's going to be transfers in the portal. And honestly, that's not unique. You know, it's not like Wichita State is out here doing something crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of the recruiting 
it's just the the fact just you know when the the portal rule the transfer rules changed and the portal went crazy you know this is just the new life in college basketball where a lot of the recruiting uh is you know a lot of these coaches aren't going to want to take high school kids because like why would you want to bring a high school kid here they sit for two years and then they're going to go transfer somewhere else. You know, you want, you almost want them to go somewhere else and then you get them, you know, two years down the road. So, you know, the transfer portal is going to be a ton of the recruiting makeup for WSU. So just kind of giving the fans up a heads up there. Also who could be coming back, you know, from my understanding, this is going to be Dexter Dennis's last year. I would assume Mo Udeze, although I don't know that for sure, but just talking to Dexter, Throughout the year, he's talked about this being his last year. He's always treated this, you know, he's been there for four years. He's graduating. Uh, I don't know if he's going to try to to move on and play somewhere else next year or like Trey Wade or if he's going to go pro. But, you know, I would probably not expect uh, Dexter or Mo to be back, but uh, we'll see. I think a lot of those fourth-year guys are are treating it that way. And then, you know, Tyson Etienne has made it pretty clear that, you know, this is going to be his last year in Wichita. So I think those three – I wouldn't expect them to be back. And then after that, you know, who knows, you know, we'll just have to see how it plays out. And then to answer your final question, can this team pull it together? I do think so. Um, you know, I, I keep, you know, just from the outside looking in, you would assume that this, this many gut punches, you know, this much losing after coming in with so high expectations would cause tension, would, you know, break apart this group. And I've asked a lot of people, inside the program right outside the program people who know the players it's like hey like is there a division on this team and everyone i've talked to has said that the players are are still you know bought in they're banded together and i think that speaks a lot to you know dexter dennis morris udeze the leadership of those guys and then tyson etienne uh you know he's such a positive force such an optimist you know just he never gets negative um you know even after like such devastating losses so i think it's a credit to those three that this team has stuck together. Uh, you know, their leadership has, has kept them together. And, you know, if they keep believing, then, you know, I'm not going to bet, bet against this team to, you know, uh, turn it around, make a run, because I, I really do, do believe in the talent of this team. You know, I, I thought they would uh, I thought they would finish near the top of the conference just because of the defense, which has, you know, taken a huge slide back, which was hard to predict. And then the offense just hasn't come together like they thought they would. But, you know, there's still time left in the season to make a run. Uh, you know, February has typically been a very good month for which for Wichita State basketball. You know, we'll see if it, if it plays out once again. You know, they have a, a great chance to, to get a jump start on it, three games and, and this week alone, four games in the next eight days. So uh, we'll know a lot more about where the season is headed, you know, next week. I, I keep going back to your article with IB today, and I guess it just speaks to, you know, kind of how much it hit to what Shocker fans are thinking about right now. But it was these players that really earned Coach IB the job last year when they went on the run that they did and, and won the AAC. And obviously there were COVID cancellations and different things. Well, they, they could do their coach another favor here and, and maybe start eliminating some of the mistakes and playing together a little better because when you have this happening time after time again, all that credit that he had built up last year really is kind of dissipated here. And and you acknowledged that in the article and it's not for lack of trying. I know 
you know, they're, they're all coaching hard, but if we've said it once on this show, we've said it a thousand times, you, you are what your record says you are. And, and right now that's not very good, but it's, there's still certainly time to turn things around. Yeah. You know, I was kind of asking him, yeah, more questions along that line. I haven't really asked him too much about that. Uh, you know, it just seems, uh, you know, to me as like an outsider, I mean, I'm not, you know, a Wichita State fan. So I guess I could kind of look at it. I think I can look at it more objectively. Just seems like kind of crazy that a, a coach can, you know, win a conference championship out of nowhere, you know, out of, you know, against all odds. And then, you know, less than, you know, less than that eight months later, nine months later, you know, I think after the K-State loss, I mean, I was already hearing chatter about, you know, IB is not the man for the job. You know, they're already raising questions. And obviously, you know, the season has turned out a lot like the naysayers were thinking like it would, uh, you know, at the start of December. But, you know, it just seems like such a short rope to, you know, uh, I just I just wonder, like, what kind of message that would send to other coaches. You know, if you can win a conference championship in year one and then season year two doesn't go the way you want it to and you get fired, you know, that just seems like a, a bad message to send to future coaches who might want to come to Wichita State. So um, I, I don't believe, you know, it, I mean, we'll obviously do more digging as the season goes along, but, you know, the sense is that, you know, obviously there's a lot of frustration with how the season is going. Uh, but, you know, IB obviously just signed that that long de- long-term deal, five years. You know, he's under, uh, under contract for a long time. Uh, you know, Darren Boatwright, the athletic director, uh, you know, his contract is up in June, I believe. So, you know, there's kind of some question marks on, you know, who's going to lead the athletic department going on. So I have a hard time believing. Plus, you know, they're already paying Greg Marshall, uh, you know, his his settlement. You know, are they really going to, uh, you know, pay three coaches, you know, KU football style at the same time? And, you know, this this uh, university just does not have the money right now because of all the COVID stuff uh, to, to be doing that, you know, barring, you know, another meeting of the, you know, the, the minds and, you know, if they want to put together a ton of money, who knows what could happen. But uh, those are all questions for the end of the season. I I still give, you know, the benefit of the doubt to, to IB and this coaching staff. They proved what they could do in year one. Uh, you know, obviously year two is not gone, you know, according to plan what they wanted. But man, you know, two years is a very, very short uh, leash. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think you have to give him more time to prove he can, you know, turn things around. But, but we'll see, you know, that's just my opinion. I'm not, you know, a, I'm not a fan. I'm not a donor. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, working for the university. So we'll see how they feel. You know, they're the ones that are going to make that decision afterward. But uh, yeah, just it just seems crazy to me that, you know, uh, here we are, you know, less than one year later from a conference championship, first in, in WSU program history in the American. And, and here we are, you know, talking about IB on the hot seat, hot seat. So uh, I, I put it in my story today, you know, high level basketball in, in college, it's a fickle world. You know, it's a lot about, you know, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, 40 games in, you know, IB has already found out, you know, the highs of that and the lows of that. Yeah, it's definitely what have you done for me lately? I'm I'm not a quick trigger guy either. I think he's certainly going to have the opportunity, but it's just, it's, it's frustrating when you, you know, not only look at what's happening on the basketball court, but you look at the area surrounding the basketball court, the stands, the the fan support really has fallen off here. And it's just, you know, in my opinion, Wichita State's a top 50 job in college basketball. They had had such momentum 
you know, really since 2008, 2009, when Coach Marshall took over. And, and this isn't even backward looking anymore. You know, we got to look forward and, and, you know, how you improve things going on here. But you put on top of that the changes that are coming to the American Athletic Conference with the three teams leaving and the teams replacing them, not very good for a, from a basketball perspective. So you just start to worry. And then you also see the Missouri Valley adding Murray State and, and a couple other schools. And you start to think, well, you know, was the grass really greener on the other side here? Or, or you know, what, what where's what's going on with the program right now? But uh, that'll all be conversations we'll have as we get through the end of the year here. Producer Brian, do we have a buy or sell today? Of course we've got buy or sell. So I want to start. We we ended our conversation there just talking a little bit about the temperature around the program and Isaac Brown. And, and certainly for a season, one bad game does not a season make. And certainly one bad year does not make a coaching career. However, you know, the, all the chatter, do you feel like buy or sell Isaac Brown is feeling the temperature on his seat rising considering you know he said when he got the job full-time that's really when the pressure started to ramp up so buy or sell is he he feeling that heat a little bit yeah i I mean i asked him that question today at the press conference and he he told me that you know he tries to block out you know that noise he doesn't you know he's not on social media he doesn't read those comments but you know it's hard to believe he doesn't sense you know the frustration so I'll, i'll buy that uh, to a degree, but, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, this coaching staff feels like it's coaching for its jobs like it did last year, you know, when they were up against all the odds and, you know, they, they felt like they were almost a lame duck uh, staff. And um, and and now I, I think that, you know, obviously they feel the pressure, you know, that they, they see, you know, it's hard not to notice that, you know, the fans, uh, you know, aren't uh, packing Coke Arena like they used to. Uh, you know, it's hard not to notice, you know, a couple – couple boo birds you know come out every now and then but you know i I think that these coaches they they don't feel like the pressure they did last year uh compared to you know just how much uh, pressure and adversity they were going through last year yeah i'm gonna buy that as well although the one thing i do like about ib is you know he, he never really changes who he is he's the same guy all the time i feel like you know, he, he's got to be that way in the locker room as well. The only thing I have to question, though, is is that, you know, falling on deaf ears right now. If you listen to his press conferences, he, you know, he says, like, we got to grow up. We got to do better. We got to do this, that, and the other. But I have not, there's just been a pattern of no changes happening over these last few weeks. So at some point, change the starting lineup, call more timeouts, do something to try and wake, wake up the, the, players and in the play on the court right now but uh you know i I think it'd be hard not to uh, particularly when you're the only team in town like wichita state basketball is it'd be hard not to feel that pressure so i'll buy it all right secondly the end of the game against tulane comes down cook elevates for a three-point attempt and gets a foul called on him Looks to me like he kicks his legs out pretty wide to try and get that foul called. So buy or sell, should that have been called a flop under the new rules that are intended to keep a shooter vertical and keep that defender from doing something like that? I'm going to sell that. I thought Tyson came down across his arm, which that that was more what was called than you know the the contact down below. Had he not done that, then yeah, I would agree that uh, not the best foul. But just even being in that situation, 
Uh, and, and the fact that it got to that point, you know, Ricky stepping out of bounds, it's, it's just, I'm still not recovered and, and I'm crabby today because the Chiefs lost too. I'll, I'll admit that. I'm sorry, but it's just, it's not good. <laughs> Dustin's in a dark place right now. Um, I'll sell that too. I agree. I thought, um, you know, originally, um, you know, I, I did think that he kicked his legs out. I saw the same thing that Tyson, uh, you know, felt, uh, when he was protesting it right after the play, but, you know, after watching the replay, it did look like he, you know, made contact with the shooting arm, which makes sense. Cause you know, the ball fell like, you know, five feet short of the basket. So it was pretty clearly that, you know, it, he hit his arm. Uh, but you know, I'd be curious to hear, you know, the referee, you know, say like what, what the foul was called, you know, if they called it on the legs, uh, you know, uh, at the bottom, then you could pr- protest it. But, you know, if you, if you called it the, the action on top, then, you know, it's, it's hard to argue. Although I will say, you know, IB said that he saw an angle, uh, you know, he originally agreed with us. He said, you know, that Tyson, that was a foul. And then I guess he he saw another angle of that play, and he came away thinking that it wasn't a foul. He actually said he called up Tyson, uh, you know, after the film study and apologized to him because he, he his mind had changed. So I didn't see that angle. Uh, you know, the one that I, I saw on ESPN, it looked like a foul to me, though. All right. We, we've talked a lot about the shooting struggles that Tyson has had this year, but certainly it seems like in the game against Tulane, he was really hitting his open looks at a good clip. Do you feel like this is the sort of game, buy or sell, that Tyson breaks out of his shooting slump and is the shooter that we expected him to be? Yeah, I, I buy that. I think, uh, you know, obviously the, the degree of difficulty has gone up this season, but you know, he was still missing a lot of the open shots that he was getting this season. It just felt like, you know, a, a shooting slump, uh, you know, even in the shots that he was getting that were clean. And, you know, who knows, maybe this will get him going. I actually wrote that in my story. It was like the narrative was set. You know, he made that deep three, career-high seven three-pointers. It put WSU up nine with like 330 left. You know, right in front of Marcus Camby, you know, he's giving him high fives. And, and you know, the, it, it just felt like, you know, that was going to be the narrative. You know, Etienne snaps out of his shooting slump. You know, the AAC player of the year, he's back. He's got his swagger back. You know, the Shockers, uh, you know, win two in a row. And obviously we saw it all unravel the last, you know, 330. But, you know, maybe that is the positive that, you know, Tyson does get, you know, that shooting swagger back uh, because they, they certainly need it. And, you know, which I'll say, I will say, you know, they did a lot of, for as much uh, criticism as I've seen online of, you know, the coaching staff not running plays, they ran, you know, I think six out of the seven threes he got were offset plays. So, you know, even if it doesn't look like sets to people, you know, you just have to go back and watch it on film and, and, and really study it because, you know, Wichita State, or you can just go to my story on Kansas.com. I broke it all down uh, today on, online. So, uh, you know, they were running good stuff, good actions to get him open. And then he was finally burning the open shots he was getting. So uh, it just feels like, you know, he's too good of a shooter to be, you know, that poor for the whole season. And also, you know, Dexter Dennis, too, you know, that's another one I'm kind of curious about. You know, obviously he's had kind of a huge swing, you know, first half to second half of the season. But, man, he's getting a lot of wide open looks and you know he's shooting 27 percent on the season right now on three so that's another number that feels like it has to go up you know in in, uh, february and march yeah i'll agree with taylor the biggest thing i'd like to see tyson improve on is just the shot selection i i understand you know 
the expectations coming into this season. I understand that defenses are giving him all the attention and throwing, you know, two, sometimes three guys at him. But just, you know, that last play against Tulane, in my opinion, there had to be a better option. Like use Tyson as the decoy and let Ricky Council take the last shot or, or oh, you had, know, let yeah. someone else have He had Ricky actually threw the ball uh, in and uh, he just floated and Tulane didn't account for him. And like, you know, that's it's tough to criticize Tyson because, you know, he had such a good shooting game and they're not in it, you know, without him. But man, you know, Ricky was standing like wide open on the wing. And, you know, if he passes him the ball, you know, the other, you know, I think the corner defender has to come up and then Dexter has a wide open shot. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, I certainly agree with you that, you know, it felt a little little too hero ball uh, just because he was playing so well early. I think he just had it in his head, and, you know, I got to take this shot. But, man, it's tough, you know, upon, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty two, uh, But, man, you know, like you said, I, I think you got to use Tyson as a decoy, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, and, and I think it's going to open up a lot of looks for other people. All right. And finally, Dexter Dennis, you know, shooting percentages, can it come up? You know, he's at 27% from three, but he does so many things, the defensive ability, the ability to get offensive rebounds, find and create opportunities. He creates plays for others. It just feels like, you know, if somebody can get going and be the X factor to really be this glue guy that gets the whole team cooking, it feels like Dexter Dennis is that guy by yourself. I'm going to sell that. Um, Dexter historically has always done much better in February and March. He, for whatever reason, has been a slow starter. But I'd like to see a little bit more from Craig and a little bit more from Ricky. I think those two are really what would lead to this team reaching its you know fullest potential or at least turning things around from where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to piggyback on that. I think Craig is the one that's really caught my eye. Uh, you know, ever since he scored those 18 points career high, uh, you know, against Tulane in the first matchup, it seems like a flip has switched. Uh, you know, we saw him, uh, he only had eight against UCF, but, you know, he was more aggressive. He hit, uh, you know, a couple big step back threes down the stretch. And then Tulane the second time, 15 points, another, you know, a couple uh, threes. You know, you have to remember he was only averaging like three points a game for the first, you know, 14, 15 games of the season. And uh, now when he's finally starting to look to become more aggressive, you know, that just opens up Wichita State's offense. And and honestly, you know, I would rather see him on the ball late in games, you know, running the pick and roll, having Tyson as the, you know, the roll up on the wing, and then having Mo go, to, uh, you know, Mo roll to the middle, uh, Craig running the screen, you know, Ricky in the, in the corner, uh, I think that's Wichita State's best bet, honestly, because you know Craig is is pretty smooth with the ball. He had a, you know some unchar- uncharacteristic mistakes. You know he had two or three turnovers down the stretch uh, on just bad passes. So you know I mean I don't think that's going to happen very often though. So I, I think Craig is the X factor for this team. Uh, but like you said, Brian, uh, you know Dexter does so many good things on defense you know he's having another you know if there was an all defensive team in the conference you know he'd be a a unanimous pick uh you know i don't know if it's been as effective to be you know defensive player of the year usually that goes to a big guy but man you know dexter is so good on on the defensive end uh but 
you know, I think Craig can have a little bit more of an impact just because he's going to have the ball in his hands more. Well, you know, this is not the most fun uh, podcast we've ever recorded, but I think it is uh, good to hear your perspective, Taylor. It's good to hear, you know, some of the insight from IB and from the players. And, uh, you know, if we learn anything from that 18-19 season a, a couple years ago, it's that, you know, when it feels bad, it can always turn around. Basketball is a game of streaks as it is. And a lot of times the the schedule and the calendar can be that way. Uh, I think the fans are frustrated because they care, uh, but certainly the the players and everyone associated with the program does as well. So next week we're going to have a special treat. United Way of the Plains CEO Pete Nahara is going to join the show. He'll be talking about the Hoops for Literacy game that Wichita State is uh, hosting here next week against South Florida, I believe. And we'll get his insight on uh, just everything they're doing to advance uh, literacy and, and help kids right here in the Wichita community. And uh, we'll, we'll see if we might be able to have a few other guests on uh, as well. So uh, have a uh, great week. Big, you know, if you're like basketball, you get plenty of it this week. I, I need a break from football. So three games in five days and uh, who knows you, you go two and one, not that you're going to be out of the, the cellar, but at least that kind of starts that arrow pointed in the right direction. Any final thoughts, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, a chance. I think two and one it should be the goal for this week. You know, if you can uh, split with SMU, you know, obviously got to take care of business against two, Tulsa. Uh, two and one would be a win uh, in my book. And then, you know, you're right back at it, you know, at UCF uh, next Tuesday. So, you know, if you can go three and one in that stretch, then you start to feel like you have some positive momentum. You know, you would be four and six at that point. That seems, you know, it just sounds so much better than, you know, one and five. But, you know, if you go one and three, which uh, I think on Ken Palm, let's see. Okay, they're still projected to beat SMU at home. So projected two and two, that should be, you know, the, the lowest bar uh, to come away with two in the next four games. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously NCAA tournament hopes are, are gone. Uh, you know, challenging for an American uh, conference title, those are gone. Uh, so now it's just focusing on getting better, playing your best basketball come March. And then, you know, who knows, you know, just uh, make things interesting in Fort Worth. You know, they're going to be a tough out in Fort Worth. You know, nobody's going to want to see this team in the first round. It's not going to be, it's not going to feel like much of a, you know, a reward for finishing, you know, if they finish like seven, eight, nine. 10, you know, for the higher seed to, to be able to, to, you know, draw them in the first round. That's not going to be much of a reward for them. So, you know, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, can they get the offense working? Can they shore up the defense down the stretch? Um, I had another good stat, too. This is uh, something to think about. Um, let me pull it up real quick. But really, it's, uh, you know, they have a, uh, a Morris Udeze problem when he's on the bench. So, you know, when he's on the floor, uh, the offense, you know, it, the offense doesn't, isn't really impacted by that much. What, what is really the astonishing part is how much uh, WSU's defense levels off or uh, just uh, completely craters when Mo is on, on the bench. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But, uh, okay, here it is. So when Mo is on the floor, WSU's defense Holds opponents, and this is conference games too. So in the five conference games he's played, uh, Udeze on the four WSU's defense, 0.98 points per possession, which is excellent. When he's on the bench, 
1.20, uh, you know, points per possession, just, you know, which would be league worst. Uh, so it's a huge difference when, and he's only playing, you know, 50% of the minutes. Uh, so, you know, that's a huge chunk of the game, 20 minutes that Wichita State is just getting slaughtered out there. Uh, you know, Kenny Poto, it's a lot to ask for a true freshman uh, to be able to defend at such a high level right away, you know, in the post and ball screen stuff. You know, a lot of other teams are really exploiting him, uh, you know, and then when WSU tries to go small, downsides to Joe Pleasant, you know, it's just really tough for Wichita State to rebound. They just get killed on the glass, uh, you know, playing a six seven guy at center even though they're they're you know they're able to switch everything it just doesn't matter because you know they can't get a rebound and it's tough for them to you know if they're gonna just switch the 5-1 ball screen you know that's a tough ask for joe pleasant to be guarding guard or point guard so um which i'll say it has to figure out those minutes when mo Udeze is on the bench because they're just getting absolutely killed right now and that's like one of the biggest things that i've noticed so far and just looking at the advanced stats and all that stuff is that you know they're actually outscoring teams when Udeze is on the floor, but when he's on the bench, they're just getting killed. So got to figure that out. And, you know, we've been kind of negative today, so we'll end with some positive. You string a couple wins together. The middle of the conference is really just a, a mess right now. Uh, they're, you know, Houston and SMU are clearly at the top two lane with these two wins over Wichita State is there as well. But it wouldn't take a whole lot to, you know, kind of pull yourself up to that six seven seed in the conference if they could get hot here uh down down the stretch yeah yeah i mean you're you're absolutely right you know it's not like you know it's houston then smu and then the next tier is uh two lane cincinnati and then another tier and then it's probably you know it's probably the best of the rest you know temple memphis ucf uh you know east carolina which i'll say would like to think it's in that class but and then you know usf and and tulsa in my opinion, are kind of like the bottom tier. You know, those are probably going to be 10, 11. But, you know, man, if Wichita State has a bad week, it's going to be hard to avoid, you know, a bottom three finish in the, in the conference. But like you said, you know, if they, if they can uh, get a hot streak here, turn it around, get up to that four and six mark, and they're going to be right in the mix, like you said, for the middle. A lot of, a lot of games to play. A lot of games to play, starting with three this week. Have a good week, and we'll be back with you next week. And, Taylor, what should our listeners do? Got to rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.